I'm going to continue teaching on this subject that I have taught in person here and also online, the mind of Christ. Let's go to the, I suppose, the grandfather of all scriptures addressing this subject. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, I, I'm taking a, a, a new look and an old subject, if you wish. You know, the renewal of the mind, the renewing of the mind, is a, it's a favorite teaching in the secular world. And I, I also say among Christians, it's a favorite, favorite teaching. The Bible has many scripture verses that apply to this. But very often there's a, a merging between the secular teaching and the Christian. So it, it comes down to life improvement through thought modification. In other words, you've got to learn to modify your thoughts. Count to ten. You know, you just think properly. Get rid of the, of, of the stinking thinking and, and start thinking uh, more scripture verses. You know, it's, it's kind of merging the secular uh, with a, a Christian teaching. Now, now, the basis of everything I do is gospel psychology. I, I, I have a gospel, Bible psychology, which is that the truth must first come to us. And when it comes, it changes the inward reality. We, we see ourselves differently. We, we, we see who we are and who God is differently. And then that, that changes our thinking, which then changes the way we speak, and it transforms the outward. And here Paul says, uh, he says, I beseech you. That's a strong word in the Greek language. It's like he's saying, I beg of you, I urge you, do something with your mind. Once you have received Christ, don't keep thinking the same way. Do something with your mind. And there are three, I suggest, minimum of three prerequisites uh, to renew the mind found here in this passage. One of them really was my main point in the last teaching, or at least the final point. Uh, by the mercies of God. I beseech you by the mercies of God. So when we enter this area of renewing of the mind, it's not, I beseech you to do your very best. I beseech you to Put forth your best attempt to focus, to concentrate, uh, so that you really can enjoy, uh, you, you know, uh, the, the new life in Christ. Now he says, put your whole focus on the mercies of God. Discover God's mercy. And, and you know the, the Hebrew word for there is hesed, God's loving kindness. How much God loves you. This is where it starts. If we ever going to be able to see a strong mind, a renewed mind that knows what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, we got to know that God loves us. And, and, and you know, one of the definitions that I have for sin, and it's, it's based in Scripture, is sin is a distortion of the knowledge of God. It's the opposite of knowing God as being merciful. It's knowing God as grumpy, petty, condemning, kind of the hound dog of heaven that's chasing down sinners. Yeah, I actually heard a sermon where a preacher was uh, uh, 
comparing God to a sniffing hound dog, bloodhound looking for sinners. So sometimes what we have done, we don't carve out images of God in wood and, and stone, but we, we carve out images of God in our own mind. People project their own emotions, their own shame, their own fears, their own anxieties onto God, rather than seeing that God is full of mercy. And, you know, I try to give it in different words definitions of what the gospel is, just to kind of jolt our thinking away from that religious, traditionalist thinking. Let me give you an attempt. I put it on the screen. The gospel, the good news is that God, motivated by love, motivated by mercy, became human in order that humans, that's you and I, can enjoy life with God. Consider that, that God... I beseech you by the mercies of God. Think about that. God became Emmanuel, one with us, to share with us and, and show us mercy, not deal with us after our sins and our iniquities, but to deal with us after His mercy. Now, when you receive that, you become a believer. And, and it's believers that Paul is addressing in Colossians chapter 3, where he says, since you've been raised with Christ, since you are, you know, you died with Christ, you're buried with Christ, you're risen with Christ. Seek things that are above. Let, let me just pause right there. Uh, above is kind of a code word for the heavenly, the spiritual realm, that which comes from God. Seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's very important. Because uh, what we have there is a picture of, of Jesus Christ, not busy working, doing things, trying to help people know he is seated because the work is finished what Jesus is going to do he has done the work is finished set your mind on that get restful get get, get rid of the of, of the panic see how Christ is seated at the right hand of God in a restful position and you notice that peace and rest start coming on you set your mind on things above not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's a pretty good description of God's mercy. You, you, you've been raised with Christ. Yes, He took your sins, you died with Him, your life is hidden with God in Christ, but you're raised with Him. And, 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 and so we need to think about that. That's, he's talking about now. Sometimes, you see, we, we're so much talking about going to heaven, that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. You're going to go to heaven when you die. Well, you know, the Bible teaches us about heaven coming down to earth. You know, sometimes I think people make such a big deal about when they die or they're going to go to heaven. It's like a big change happens when you, they put your body in a coffin. They said, oh boy, I've been living this miserable life. I, I just, you know, don't get along. I, I don't have any abundance, but one day they're going to put me in a coffin. Oh, then the, the big change is going to come. That's not the gospel. No, the gospel is that you've already been to your own funeral and you come back and started living. You died with Christ. Let me say that again. You've been to your own funeral and, and, and then you are a part of your own resurrection. You have risen with Christ, buried, died with Christ, risen with Christ, and now you're living this new life of God's mercy. This is a prerequisite for having our mind renewed. Then the second phrase we found here in this scripture in Romans 12 is present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service. You know, that, 
That phrase, living sacrifice, think about it. It's contradictory, at least on the surface. It seems illogical. I mean, a living sacrifice. By, by, by definition, a sacrifice is dead. I've been to places in the world where they sacrifice animals uh, as an appeasement towards one of the pagan gods. And you know, when they sacrifice that goat, the goat is dead. They sacrifice that chicken, the chicken is dead. So a living sacrifice seems contradictory, but actually that phrase, living sacrifice, it describes our true position. <laughs> that, that, that's who we are. Lord, I'm a living sacrifice. It means that, yes, I'm one of those. I died with Christ, and I'm now alive with Christ. And it says, present yourself, your whole body. Now, sometimes when it says body, it just means the body is separate from the soul, the mind, and the spirit. But, but here the, the reference is more present your whole person. Present the totality of your being. Present yourself. You know, because whatever you are, your soul, your spirit, it operates through your body. So in that sense, once you don't have a body, you don't have a license to operate on this earth. You're gone into the next life, and that's wonderful to be forever with the Lord. But, but present your body, present yourself fully. I love the word present. It's like a, a formal, official presentation. Here I am, God. And it's a reasonable service. It's reasonable. When I consider God's mercies, and God has been so good to me, it's just a reasonable thing to say, God... I'm presenting myself. This is not some emotional thing. Sometimes, you know, we can be too emotional. I like being emotional. I'm kind of an emotional person myself. But I don't want to be governed by emotions or driven by emotions. I like to enjoy emotions and use emotions for good purposes. Uh, but sometimes, you know, we, we feel like I'm going to be dedicated to the Lord when we feel so in our emotions. But here it says, this is your reasonable service. This is your rational assessment. I put it like this. I actually put it on the screen for you. It's like you say like this. I, who am dead and resurrected with Christ, now efficiently and reasonably present myself to God for service. I, who am dead and resurrected with Christ, officially and reasonably present myself to God for service, present and accountable. That's, that's how the renewing of the mind starts. You know, let me digress for a moment. Water baptism, you know, when someone is immersed in water, baptized, after they come to faith in Christ, it kind of depicts this. You know, in the first century Christianity, water baptism was a big deal. Big, big deal. That, that, that meant I have now committed myself to Jesus Christ. Now, see, see today it's more like, I went to church and I said the prayer. I repeated the prayer after the preacher. Well, <laughs> well, I'm not going to go to all that. Just to say that water baptism is the way that you really acknowledge Jesus Christ. It, it was really at water baptism you present yourself as a dead person who has come back to life. You're saying, I have, when you put me into the water, when you bear, baptism means burial, when you put me into the water, I'm acknowledging my identification with Jesus Christ. I recognize that Jesus carried me into death, into burial, and into resurrection. I recognize that. 
and I, I present myself, and you have people watching the water baptism, and you present yourself to everybody here in the congregation. You bring your friends, you bring your relatives to come and watch. Oh, it makes me feel like Pastor Nathan. We're going to have a water baptism here real soon. As soon as this uh, crazy thing is gone, let's baptize people in water and invite all your relatives, invite all your friends. Say, come and see my funeral and come and see my resurrection. Certainly your friends want to come to your funeral. Bring them to the water baptism. Now, some people may say, well, you know, baptism is like you can't be saved without water baptism. But obviously the thief went to heaven. He was, didn't have time to get baptized, the thief on the cross. So, but, but baptism in water is very important. It's not salvation. Just like wedding, the wedding is not your marriage. But still the wedding is important. So I say water baptism is like the official proclamation you know, I died with Christ. I'm hidden with, 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 Christ, with Christ in God. I, I, I have a new life, and I wanna, I, I wanna, I'm just declaring it. So again, Pastor Nathan, I know you're listening to me. Let's set for a water baptismal service as soon as we can and let people invite their friends to their funeral and resurrection service. Okay, I got to move on. There, there is... There's a third point here before we get to the renewing of the mind. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, in the Greek language, there are two words for not. One is kind of, oh, don't do that. Another word is very emphatic. It's that emphatic word here. It says, do not. Come on, people. Absolutely not. Don't even think about it. Don't be conformed to this world. This world... What is this world? We're not talking about the streets and government buildings here. This world is a biblical expression of the age of time that began with a great lie. The great lie in the Garden of Eden. The great lie that you are better off on your own. You can create your own future. You don't need God. You'd be like your own God. Another part of the Bible is called this present evil age. Or the, the age of, of spiritual blindness. The age of spiritual darkness. That's, that's this world. Jesus came 2,000 years ago from the age to come. And he entered this age. The truth, capital T. He who said, I am the truth, entered the age of lies. And the princess of this age killed Jesus. They put him away. We say we don't, we, we don't want Jesus. So this world, don't be confirmed to this world. It refers to a secular mindset. Don't, don't think, don't be conformed to the way everybody else thinks around you. We, we are in this age, but we are not of it. Not conformed. It's like Paul is saying, don't even think about it. This age, this, this kind of thinking that doesn't include God, doesn't fit you. So don't go there. Look at the two words, conformed versus transformed. To be conformed to this world means that I lack independent thinking. I lack a sense of spiritual identity. I'm like a chameleon. I'm a turncoat. I... I just check which way the wind is blowing and I go with it. And, and you know, this, 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 
world is in constant flux. It's like things are changing. Something is popular, something is not popular. I mean, today, we're going through a, a time of great flux. If you haven't noticed it, it's probably because you're not maybe listening to the news or reading newspapers. Or, uh, but, you know, basically what was immoral 20 years ago is now moral. What was right 20 years ago is now wrong. And what was wrong is now right. It keeps changing. It may change again. And what Paul is saying here, don't be conformed by that. Don't live and think the way everybody in the whole world around you thinks. There's a thinking of this world, this present evil age, a certain mindset. Oh, I could, I could wax eloquent on this one. There's a certain kind of thinking that just want to go with whatever is the popular trend. But Paul says, be transformed. Let your mind be renewed. The word, it, it, it comes from the word metamorphosis. Let, let your mind morph from this constant flux of secular worldly thinking into something solid, something concrete. It, 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 let your mind morph out of that great lie mindset, that that, that mindset that doesn't count on God at all. Let your mind be morphed out of that into a mindset that is not in constant flux, but is anchored in the unchanging God. Who? Did you hear that? A renewed mind is anchored in the unchanging God. Jesus explained how this works. In Matthew 12, let me, let me read that scripture. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. So Jesus is drawing a, a connection here. He's saying whatever is the treasure in your heart. In fact, I put a little sequence there so you can just break it down. Look at those four words, treasure, thoughts, words, life. Well, whatever is your treasure, and so if life isn't good, if life isn't going right, if life is drifting away from God, change the treasure. That treasure is the truth of God. This is the truth of the mercies of God. This is the truth of what God has done for you. Change the treasure. And then you don't have to worry about changing your thoughts because the thoughts will change as the treasure changes. And then your words, you will speak differently out of the abundance of the, uh, of the heart, whatever the treasure in the heart is. That's how you speak. And then how you speak affects life. So, so there are some prerequisites for this renewing on the mind. Now let's get to it. it says, be renewed in your mind. I, I want to take that word renew, R E. N-E-W, and I'm going to make a little point for each letter. I call this five aspects of it. Now, I'm not going to go through all those five letters. It'd be too much, but I'll get started. And there's always the next part coming. R, I said, stand for replace. Replace. Renewing of the mind has to do with replacing what? Replace that negative, that Secular mindset. Secular literally means God's not there. 
that doesn't count on God. That'd be a good thing to, you know, uh, in, in this time we're going through right now. It seems like even people who say, I'm a spiritual believer, they stopped counting on God. They are more excited about the vaccine that they've been excited about Jesus for a long time. And I'm all for if you get a vaccine. I'm not talking about that. But people, it's like they lost all their bearings. It's like the government is our savior. And, and that's going to disappoint us. But there's one who's not going to disappoint us. David says, I, I'm old and I've been young and I lived a long time, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. So, so replace that negative mindset, how thoughts are constructed, with a consciousness of what God has provided through Christ. You know, Gideon is the example of this. His mindset, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but his mindset was one of, of fear, defeat, negativity. He felt like, I'm forsaken. Oh, nobody cares about me. I'm the least in my father's house. I'm the weakest. I'm a nobody. And then suddenly, and I, you can read the whole thing in Judges chapter 6, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, it says in verse 12 there, and said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor, you mighty person of courage. God's with you. It seems like, you know, God pays no attention to the whining and the complaining of Gideon. He just says, you're a mighty man of valor. God is with you. It's like, I didn't hear. What was that prayer request? I can't hear you. What was that? What was that? You said, I should pray because you're the weakest. We should, we should minister to you because you're so weak. Such a little sissy. The angel of the Lord just ignores it. But Gideon doesn't get it at the first go. So he says, well, why do we have so many problems? Why well, I don't understand there's so many problems. God's not with us. Where are the miracles? <laughs> Maybe sounds like some people you've met in your life. And then two verses later, the Lord hits him at it again. He says, it says, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. It seems like God doesn't pay any attention to all that whining and complaining. He's saying, I, I'm going to talk to you different. You have might. You can go. You don't have to wait for some other time. You can go now. You, you can take a step now. We're talking about R stands for replace. <laughs> you, you know, w when thoughts of sickness just crowd you in, and you almost, you know, you can almost make yourself sick. I mean, you read too many newspaper articles about people who have congestions. You start feeling congested even though you're not congested. You start feeling, I can't, oh, well, maybe I can't breathe either. You say, well, I, I don't know. And I understand some people have been sick, but I'm saying you, your mind can play on you. And so you begin to think about Christ is my healer. I think like this, Peter Youngren, I'm talking to you, Peter Youngren. You are a man of faith. You have the faith of Jesus Christ. Behave yourself, Peter Youngren. You, you don't have to say that to Peter Youngren. You say it to yourself. Replace those negative thoughts. If you feel lonely, so I'm... I'm so lonely. Well, of course, we all get lonely. This has been a time of massive loneliness. But, but you know, replace those self-pitying thoughts and say, I'm included in God's love. Nothing shall separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. When you feel fearful and then fearful thoughts, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You could quote Isaiah 41, and I give you just the gist of it. 
You shall not be afraid. You shall not be cast down. God upholds you with his righteous right hand. You know, thoughts begin to crowd. Lack. What if I won't have a car or a house or a job? But, well, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All my life. I've always taken on projects because I believe that the world must be one for the gospel. I believe that we have something to contribute to the world, so I keep taking on projects. You may have heard. We have stepped it up. I'm giving you the first notice here, Toronto Celebration Church. I call for that by May 23rd, we would reach 12 million people and um, on, on social media, well, we have already crossed that line. As of today, this Sunday, we have crossed that line. And I said, I've been thinking too small. I've been thinking too small. My thinking has been too limited. So now I'm announcing we're going for 30 million from unreached people groups. So well, that costs money. Yeah, but I'm not thinking about the lack. I'm thinking about that my God is bigger than any financial lack. Change your thinking. I, I'm not doing my work. This is God's work. We're in serious business. We want to do it right. We want to have all the cameras, all the lighting. We're going to look good and we're going to present it good. And, and, and we're working on it. It's wonderful. I, I get carried away now. You get thoughts of death. Death. Maybe I'm going to die. Think about that Jesus is your life. Let me tell you, this is not arrogant. To think and to speak what Jesus has provided for us is not spiritual arrogance. It's a humble dependence on God. Now, I want to give you, just finish with one case study under this point, replacement. You remember King David? He was fleeing from his son Absalom and Ahithophel, who had been a close associate, counselor to David. They both trying to kill him. And, and David is running for his life into the hot, blistering wilderness. He could have at some point killed Absalom and Ahithophel. He doesn't want to do that. And here's David now. He's lost his honor. He's lost his reputation. And scholars believe that is when he wrote Psalm 23. Now, I know Psalm 23 is very familiar to all of us, but let's just pretend as if we were reading it like we never read it before. And I want you to notice all the pictures. It's not just words. Psalm 23, I think why it's so popular. It, it, it grabs your imagination. Listen to as I read it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my cup with oil, my, my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, really what David should have been thinking is, I'm losing my mind. I, I, they're going to kill me. They, they, they're going to slit my throat. I mean, David's world was falling apart. He could have said, why me? He had every reason to surrender to the circumstances. But instead, he gives these beautiful images. He said, the way I see it is, I got a shepherd 
<laughs> you know, the shepherd is always the one in charge. I got a God who is bigger than all the people around me that are trying to kill me. Because at that time, if you can read about it in, in the books of Samuel, that he was surrounded by the enemy. They're trying to kill him from every side. Everywhere he looked, he saw another group of soldiers trying to kill him. And he says, I got a shepherd. And he says, he makes me lie down. <laughs> He's picturing himself lying down in the natural. I'm sure he was looking. Where, where, where are they approaching? Are they coming towards me? But instead, he replaces that negative thoughts with, I see myself lying down in green pastures. Believe me, there were no green pastures where David was. He was in the, in the desert, in the sand. He leads me beside still waters. Ooh, what is more beautiful than a tranquil river beside a green pasture? And he says, I see a table loaded with abundant food. And I almost see myself in the spa. And they are oils. They anoint my head. And, and there's good, delicious, overflowing cups with, with drink. And I have two golden retrievers that follow me. One is called goodness and one is called mercy. And I'm protected in the house of God forever. Ever. That, that's what David is seeing. He's replacing the negative circumstances with new thoughts. One of the ways to say this is like to, to replace, renew your mind is like renovate. You know, Tyna enjoys watching HGTV and others DIY, DIY, I think it's called. Do it yourself and all these, you know. And I, I've watched it once in a while with her. I'm not as excited, but I learned to like it. And basically, it's out with the old, out with the rotten walls and beams and termite-infested whatever is in the house. Out with it and put, replace it with something new. And that's the beauty of it. Jesus absorbed the whole rottenness of the human mind, and you fill your mind with Jesus. Make your mind of Christ in you an energetic engine fueled by positive imaginations. Wow. Well, I got a lot more to talk about, but that'll have to be for next time. I just want to bring back one little statement I made. Sin is a distorted knowledge of God. Many de definitions for sin. Sin is a broken relationship. During the time of the law, it was transgression of the law. That's not the time we live in, but it was. But maybe this world's thinking has distorted who God is. You don't see God as the one full of mercy. Well, I declare to you, God is that one.